pretty big news story over uh, the last few days has been uh, Ron DeSantis sending the immigrants that came to Florida to Martha's Vineyard. Um, part of his reasoning was that Florida is not a sanctuary state, but Martha's Vineyard uh, during Trump's presidency uh, said that they were a sanctuary destination. So he said, okay, you know, we have immigrants here. Um, you're, a you're a sanctuary destination. Uh, we'll send we'll send the immigrants to you. And I think uh, as soon as that happened, what popped into my mind um, was something I heard a while back from Rob Henderson and his idea of luxury beliefs. And uh, Rob Henderson's idea of luxury beliefs are these are sort of status symbols now that they are uh, beliefs and opinions that the upper class have. But oftentimes these beliefs and opinions that they have inflict harm on the lower class. Mm -hmm. uh, part of his idea is that in the past you would have lug you would have luxury items, right? Um, he has this example of what, what do uh, top hats and def defund the police have in common? You know, is at one point having a top hat was a symbol of status, right? You mm. know, uh, is a, or a symbol of wealth, I should mm -hmm. say, yeah, and status. <clears throat> but now, uh, you know, when we look at celebrities. Sometimes, if you didn't know they were celebrity, you would think that they were just anybody else. The way they, the way they dress. Yeah. You know, everyone has an iPhone. It's not mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you have an iPhone. Mm -hmm. that's, that's that's a luxury status. No, everyone has one. So now, to really distinguish themselves, the, the upper class to distinguish their beliefs or distinguish themselves from everybody else, they have certain luxury beliefs mm. about society and about people. Um, he says that that the the kind of elites of our of our societies crave distinction; that they really want to be different than the lower class. And one way they can do this is through their belief systems. Mm. And it, what, why I thought of this during Martha's Vineyard was, you know, there's this idea perhaps that, you know, we, we welcome everybody, we welcome the immigrants, we welcome the refugee, but then when the immigrant and the refugee becomes your actual neighbor, yep. well, you know, yeah. things are a little different now, you know, this, mm -hmm. this happened in Germany during the Syrian refugee crisis, uh, you know, the German people were like, oh no, we need to, we need to welcome them, they need to come in. Yep. And there was one example where the government said, okay, you know, there's a little neighborhood. You have a green area in the middle of your neighborhood where we'll take that over and we'll make it a, a makeshift uh, home for the refugees. Yep. Quickly, the neighborhood went, well, well, well you know, actually, we, we technically by law have to have that green area. Right. So you can't take the green area, <laughs> right, right. you know, like the, the, we actually deserve that. Let's mm -hmm. yeah. go. Like, oh, but I thought, wait, wait yeah. I'm confused. And so I think Ron DeSantis was trying to say, listen, you don't actually believe these things. Or you actually practice, I should say. Yeah. You believe this. Mm -hmm. You have these these luxury beliefs, but mm -hmm. not practices. Yeah. Yeah, that really, the whole, that whole phenomenon was really interesting. Um, seeing how DeSantis was kind of really trying to make a point um, that these luxury beliefs exist um, and how they're actually harming Society, society, yeah. like you know the um, even the immigrants themselves because of the trafficking and the drugs that are coming through, and it's like there's an there's an element uh, of this, you know, political leaning um, <clears throat> towards closing the borders. That's because you want to protect illegal immigrants and and make sure that there is no incentive for drug trafficking and sex tra trafficking and such. Um, and so it it seems 
what occurred to me was this this idea of the left and right hand symbolism again mm -hmm. of um, in trying to protect this process and trying to protect your citizens and trying to protect the migrants uh, the migrants yeah. like every like in this idea of protection be like we have to close our borders so that there's not this incentive um, if you're facing the opposite direction of that opinion, then it feels like a sword as opposed to a shield. You know, yeah. the left the, appears like right. the right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so obviously, you know, the the common trope against the uh, you know harder border policies is like, oh, you just care about capitalism and and you don't care about these people and it's like you know you just you're concerned about jobs being taken away, or whatever. But you can actually have an opinion that's I want to protect these people. Like these people are are being used by um, drug traffickers and such, and and who knows how much criminality is involved, and they have to pay off the cartel to get here. It's so bad there, and so in this move for protecting them, we're trying to instantiate this this idea. So it doesn't actually have to be this, you know, you know, hard. Here are the rules, and you can't come in, and whatever. It can actually be a move of mercy to be like we're. We're protecting you so that you can come in the right way and so that there's this process. It's fair to people who are trying to get in legally. So it's, it's very complicated, but um, it, de it immediately came to me as like this, um, you don't understand. Like we're not understanding each other. The left and the right are not right. seeing each other on the same page. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. There was a, a video I saw over the weekend. It was a guy who lives on a border town. I think there was a, uh, a documentary a couple of years ago on people who live in border towns and have property close to close to the border and about the the harsh things that happen there you know break-ins yeah murders mm -hmm. sexual assaults that happen on their property and the point of the videos and uh that i saw they were, they were you know they're not making a political point they're not saying absolutely nobody can come across this border but it's my experience of an open border is not Martha's Vineyard's experience yeah. of an open border. Like mm -hmm. I actually have people who you know broke into my grandmother's mm -hmm. home mm -hmm. and held held the home hostage. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. like, I, and I'm not saying that therefore no one can come through. I'm just saying that you know for their sake and right. for our sake, for your own people's sake, we do need to have some sort of structure here. Yeah, for people to come in properly and safely. Yeah, it was safely on both sides, mm -hmm. safely for the immigrants yeah. and safely for the American citizens. Right. And there's something about the, the luxury of beliefs kind of idea that like really is disconnected from reality uh, because, you know, you could argue till you're blue in the face with both sides of being like, I'm doing this to protect immigrants. And it's like, well, no, I'm doing this to protect immigrants. It's like, okay, so now we have two opinions mm -hmm. and we're going to disagree until the end of the world until we figure out like what's actually happening. So like, what are the actual facts? This is like Q Shapiro's facts don't care about your feelings. It's like, you can still be moved with feeling towards these people, but at the end of the day, you have to look at what's working, what's not working. Yeah, right. Um, like thousands of um, immigrants are dying every year trying to cross the river. Like all the trafficking that's coming with the fentanyl, like that, that's a huge problem. That's right. a, a real problem that's happening. So it's like, all right, so we both have these this incentive towards mercy and compassion and helping people. What's happening? And yeah. then you have to make a decision. So like... That's like really just luxury beliefs on display of like you can have this opinion but not really caring about what actually happens. Right, right. Yeah. Well, as I said, that's part of the, you know, in part of the, the definition is that it inflicts harm yeah. on the people it's supposed to be helping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I, there's an idea that um, the ideal uh, is always probably 
uh, higher than uh, what you're actually able to achieve. And so, you know, uh, bring this down to a more like personal level. Like if, if you have this idea to become this, um, you know, an excellent man uh, and you start asking, asking yourself, like, what are the practical steps towards moving to- towards that goal? You might have to lower your expectations a little bit, you know, to mm-hmm. actually achieve that goal. And so, you know, you have the left and the right have these ideals and they're good ideals. But once you actually start taking in the practical implications, mm-hmm. moving towards that goal, like you're going to have to start making compromises, uh, yeah. you know, and, and so, so that, um, that perfect ideal has to, can't just, in order for it to be uh, embodied, um, it, there's going to have to be compromises on both the left and right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so. Thomas Sowell's There Are No Solutions, Only Trade-Offs. This yeah, is like exactly. the, the idea of the utopia in yeah. Marxism. And it's like, you know, reality yeah. is messy and it's dirty <clears throat> and it's it's really complicated. And mm-hmm. th- there's just kind of a give and take in trying to find, like, you know, wiggle your way to to the ideal. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. And I think that's sometimes what the right tries to portray, but portrays it poorly. You know, when we see these videos of people who live on border towns or the people who work at the border and they see kids who are being brought in who are completely drugged and, and mm-hmm. you know i think the reaction is shut shut it down yeah right, right. and it's like, well the answer isn't shut it down the answer isn't open it's somewhere in, in the middle mm-hmm. uh, but like you said like we're trying to show though that it is messy you know yeah. by having a policy that says everyone can come through there are consequences to that right just yeah. as you know if, if the answer was shut down the border completely yeah you know, there would be yeah. consequences to that um on both sides right yeah, I uh, yeah. This whole idea of luxury beliefs is just, you know, it just goes to show that you can't, you can't live in the world of ideas, just a hundred percent. You know, it, it just that does not make for a a good society. It doesn't make for a good household. It doesn't make for a good person. You know, and and one of the things that I thought of, and this might be a little bit of a leap, but I think it's connected somehow. Uh, basically related, right? Um, no, I think it's. Uh, I thought of uh, Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, and how he, you know, ethics are, are of course um, uh, a way to live your life, uh, you know, according to a, a good, right, uh, a moral good. But he opens up his ethics by saying that, like, it's actually dangerous. Uh, ethics are a dangerous endeavor uh, when you start studying them because it implies action. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just, you know, read his work on ethics and be like, okay, I understand now, and then not change your life. Uh, that's not how ethics work. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that, yeah, you can study ethics and you can study, you know, how to be a good person, but until you actually start living it, then uh, then it's going to be, uh, th- th- then you'll actually, that, that ideal will start to become more embodied. Yep. Um, and so that, that, that idea of luxury beliefs, it's like, what are you doing? Like, it's almost like just this disembodied um, politics, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the opposite of politics. Pol- politics are actually supposed to um, encourage change in the in, in matter, right? right? In the city, right? Right, right. right. So, What's the saying? Politics matters because policy matters. Policy matters because people matter? Mm. I, I think okay, it's... Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know... Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, these beliefs eventually trickle down to... Mm-hmm. Uh, behavior, yeah, ideally, <laughs> and right. so uh, and your behavior towards other people, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it can't just be like said in this realm of ideas, but actually in action, yeah, in practice. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, that kind of dovetails into 
Um, an another point you had, Lee, uh, Lee in the notes um, about from the brothers Karamazov about the uh, the woman with little faith or a lady with little faith. I think yeah. that's the chapter name. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, in brothers Karamazov, there's a there's a chapter where the father Zazuma, uh, he's a monk of a monastery, and he's the mentor to Alyosha, mm -hmm. I believe it is, and um, he kind of has this audience, and various people are coming to him. Various like kind of village peasants and people from far off, and a woman comes to Father Zazima and talks about her, her kind of dreams and desires to give her life away and to serve the poor unreservedly. Uh, but she's a a little worried that if I did that, could I persevere? You know, if I help the poor, but that seems great and that seems honorable. But what if the poor? don't appreciate it essentially yeah. you know what if they're mm -hmm. ungrateful uh for my service can i still be charitable despite the ingratitude i would receive mm -hmm. and father zazma says and it reminds him of uh, another another story of a, a man who um who said you know in essence i love humanity but i detest my neighbor mm. i detest the man individually yep but i love humanity in general yeah and once I, I read that, that really stuck with me because I think that's a very, that's a, a sentiment of luxury belief is I love humanity. Of mm. course, it's like I'm a lover, you know, I'm a humanist. You know, yeah. I, I love all people, doesn't matter, um, no distinctions. But when humanity becomes your neighbor embodied, it changes things a bit. Yep. You know, then you're, you're faced with the reality of this luxury belief that yep. you hold. Yeah. You know, that's actually a a problem that I see in the church. Uh, there, there are some people who desire to have this very intense spiritual life, uh, and they spend hours uh, a week praying in the church, and yet they neglect their home, you know. Right and, right. and and in a sense, you know, it sounds on the face of it, it might sound counterintuitive to say, like, leave the church and go 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 home. Mm -hmm. But you know, that's that's where their holiness lies. Like, that's where their path of salvation, that's where their life uh, will thrive the most. Is if they're caring for the things that are immediate to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. if they're loving the people in front of them, and not this, you know, idea. Like, I, I think when. It, it might be on a subconscious level, but like to abandon um, the reality in front of you and to go enter into a, you know, a spiritual realm, you know, uh, almost in a disembodied way. Yeah. Uh, moving towards like a more like a spiritual, like, uh, again, like I love humanity. I'm praying for humanity. But then like, you know, my children at home, how am I treating them? Like, how am I loving, uh, loving them? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the neighbor that I see. Um, am I able to actually love him? Um, because I, on, on some level, it's actually impossible to love humanity. You know, yeah. uh, it's what, right. what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, humanity is is not just a, a an abstract concept. Humanity is built up of individuals, and you can't love humanity if you're not loving individual people. Um, yeah, I think that's even. I think that's this woman's case in the book. It's either her or another one. But I believe it's her, um, where I think she actually is married. Is that right? And has, I think, a sick husband or a sick child. And she's like, yeah, but I still think about, like, leaving them mm -hmm. and and serving the poor. 
And I think Father Zazim at the end is like, go home. Go home. Yeah. yeah. Like, serve like, your husband. Like, serve yeah. It's, serve yeah, it's like, no, no, just go home yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and serve them. Don't worry about like kind of these these ideas of of grandeur of uh, serving all these poor people. Yeah, go home and serve the, those who are sick in your own house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's um there's a a bigger quote in which he responds, uh, Father Zosima, uh, responds to this woman. Um, can you read that, Lee? Do you see it in the notes there? Yeah. Um, Is it uh, the doctor quote? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Father Zosima replies, "It's just the same story as the doctor once told me." Observed the elder. He he was a man getting on in years and undoubtedly clever. He spoke frankly as you, though in jest, in, in bitter jest. I love humanity, he said, but I wonder at myself. The more I love humanity in general, the less I love man in particular. In my dreams, he said, I have often come to making enthusiastic schemes for the service of humanity. And perhaps I might actually have faced crucifixion if it had been suddenly necessary. And yet I am incapable of living in the same room with anyone for more than two days together, as I know by experience. As soon as anyone is near me, his personality disturbs me, disturbs my self-complacency and restricts my freedom. In 24 hours, I begin to hate the best of men. One, because he's too long over his dinner. Another, because he has, cold, he has a cold and keeps on blowing his nose. I become hostile to people the moment they come close to me. But it has always happened that the more I detest men individually, the more ardent becomes my love for humanity. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, I immediately thought of like my kids, <laughs> like yeah, the right. blowing the nose. And the, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, it's, it's marriage. Uh, gosh, was it? I think it might have been Fulton Sheen. Somebody. It's like marriage has to be a sacrament. Yeah, because you need grace to live with somebody for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, and it's and it's and it's not yeah, to say that you right. hate. You know, you hate this person. It's yeah. just hey, listen. Like we're yeah. two people. And then multiple people mm-hmm. when you have children under yeah. one yeah. roof, gets tough. Yeah, it's this messy. Re- this reminded me of um, David Hogg's recent tweet. Oh, yeah. He was just talking about. I have I have it here. I'm going to read it. Um, he says, "I'm never planning on having kids. I would much rather own a Porsche and have a Portuguese water dog, and a golden doodle. Long term, it's cheaper, better for the environment, and will never tell you that it hates you or ask you to pay for college." Yeah. Like, there you go. Like, yeah. that, that's exactly what that is. But that's, right. I mean, that is, that's human nature is like we tend towards uh, selfishness. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's like, that's concupiscence. Like we're born with this tendency to turn inward on ourselves. And love of neighbor is a messy business because mm-hmm. everybody, you know, I once told this to uh, a friend that one of the most true statements that you can live by is that people suck. Yeah. People suck. <laughs> yeah. And, and, once you start trying to love your neighbor and you live with somebody, you realize how true that is. Like, no yeah. matter how much you fell in love with that person mm-hmm. or how much you care for that person, mm-hmm. eventually, like, I don't care how good that person is, they're going to bug you. They're yeah. going to have their own idiosyncrasies yeah. that you're going to bug you. them. Yeah. yeah, you're going to get sick. You're going to blow your nose and you're going to bug them. Exactly. Uh, but that's the messiness of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's what we're called to, though, is to move out of ourselves. And put up with those idiosyncrasies and right. actually love the person. Yeah. Uh, but when you start getting annoyed uh, at your neighbor, um, their personality starts to grate on you. That's a sign that like you're you're falling back on that tendency again to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sin, right? Yeah. Uh, like it's just about me. It remind that quote reminded me of um, Sartre's um, line: "Hell is other people." Mm. 
Like, yeah. And that's what it is. It's, it's like, you know, choosing hell is choosing yourself. Like, yeah. it's all about me. And uh, and you kind of shut off not only people, but the world around you. It's like, I can't even interact with right. this existence. Right. This also uh, really touches on um, what we've been talking about previously about femininity um, and the masculine and the feminine in that women are biologically attached to the idea of other Mm-hmm. Like they're created to make other people. Yeah. And so like they're more inherently attuned to the fact of the messiness of reality. Um, and so like raising a family is like, is like calling the masculine aspects of both the men and the woman to like deal with the messiness of yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so even in the feminist movement of like, Oh, you know, women should get out of the house and get jobs or whatever. Um, leave the family life is essentially this escape from that messiness yeah. I mean, you just kind of want to live in your your external kind of luxury belief that uh, humanity can stay outside of who I am, and it's not uh, infiltrating on my persona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Saint Teresa of Avila says that you know, a sign that you're growing in the spiritual life and in holiness is the degree to which you love your neighbor. Mm. Yeah. You know, and Christ says, you know, the whole law is summed up in love of God and love of neighbor. Yeah. And if you don't love your neighbor, then it's hard to say that you can love God. Yep. Right. And that's like St. John, right? Like, you know, whoever says he loves God, but hates his neighbor is a liar. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't do both. And I love the way um, St. John really uh, encapsulates that in his letters, because you have the gospel of John, which um, on the face of it seems very um, heady and theological, um, you know, very um, uh, focused on the uh, ideals. Mm -hmm. Again, very uh, heavily theological. Um, but then to counteract that, he has his letters, which is focused on like love of neighbor, mm. um, and, and it's almost like if like his letters and his gospel are having this like dialogue between like, yes, all this theology is important and it's like the foundation, um, but without this love of neighbor, without again the the embodied love of another person, um, all this heady stuff, it, it kind yeah. of it's for it's almost for nothing, you know. Right, right. So. I, you know, I think this this heady stuff. Uh, you know, there's luxury beliefs. It, it reminded me of, of another idea um, from, from Jung because um, it acts as, like you said, it's not embodied, so it acts as this sort of shield or mask mm. um, that lets people know is, it's a signal. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think Rob Henderson ties luxury beliefs to, to virtue signaling necessarily but yeah i guess you could it, it, it's but yeah. it signals a status of like yep. you know of course yeah yeah you know open borders mm-hmm. obviously you yeah know, I'm, I'm i'm a decent modern person open borders but uh for jung um he has this idea of the persona which he gets from uh i think from greek mm-hmm. uh, prosopon it's a mask that mm-hmm. actors would wear um and he says it that's pretty much precisely what it is it's 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 the mask that you show the world uh, but as as all things with Jung, uh, the persona is you know positive and negative because on yeah. one hand, you know everyone has masks. Mm-hmm. He says you know he said it would be inappropriate if you acted the same way in every single situation. You know, yep. uh, professor will not be the same in classes at home, mm-hmm. um, business meetings, everything like that. But on the negative side, it's when you become when you become the mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you can think of Jim Carrey in yeah. the mask. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, it's it, but that's actually. I didn't really thought about it till this moment. Maybe that's a union. <laughs> Super symbolic. You know, you're right. That, that, that's when it becomes problematic is when mm-hmm. the, you are what you show the world. Your identity yeah. is tied up into exactly. the exterior. And what's yeah. behind the mask is nothing. Right. Yeah. He said it, the mask is a collective. It's what 
you it's what society thinks you should be yeah and therefore that's all that you are mm. Mm. um of course you know there has to be you know he says there has to be a dialogue between who you are and the, and the persona because yeah. you know, on one hand mm -hmm. there's who you want to be personally then there's what society expects of you yep mm -hmm. um and you have to have some sort of dialogue between them because if you're only what you want to be then you're kind of odd mm -hmm. you can be you know kind of an outcast yep. because you know yep. maybe in social situations you're not picking up the cues mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand if you're only what society wants you to be then what are you mm -hmm. where, where, like are you um, an individual and right. Jung would say, no, now you're just a mass person. Mm. Right. Yeah. That gets, um, that really is like on a more conceptual side, that's like, uh, Peugeot's idea of the garments of skin mm. and that like, um, you put on armor to protect yourself. But the, the two, the two sides of that is that if you rely on the protection too much, you lose actual strength in your, in your person. And so if you only identify with just the armor, then you become an empty shell. Yeah. Um, right. That is that persona idea. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And so like there does have to be a dialogue of like, I, there is a need for armor. There is a need for persona and for interacting with the world. But underneath that, there needs to be the fullness as yeah. well. Right. And that's the same thing. It's like, you know, family life is the, you know, the core of society. And then on that builds bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you just rely on those exterior beliefs without understanding that the core is supposed to be there, that the, the family and the dirty, messy interaction with people is supposed to be there, then you lose everything. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, on the face of it, it seems like uh, it's easier to live according to this persona uh, because you can just, you don't really have to, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of introspection. And so, you know, society, this is the way I present myself to a society. They like that, you know, especially like the higher ups, like they give me money for that, right? Yeah. People say they mm -hmm. love me. But what they really love is the persona. Mm -hmm. right. It's very easy to just shut off your interior life, you know, not worry about your own idiosyncrasies, live according to that uh, persona, and like you were saying, you just live an empty shell of a life. Um, yeah. But it's I, I can see the attraction to that um, because it's just it would be so easy to slip into, right? Mm -hmm. But then like, you have to ask yourself, like, well, who am I underneath it all? You know, when you go to bed at night, you know, you're not, you know, you're. You're not sleeping with your money. You're not, uh, yeah. you know, you're not uh, constantly being praised. Like, wh what's going on inside of your mind? Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, according to your identity, who you really are underneath yeah. all that. I mean, so. that really is why we're seeing such an identity crisis now, because we've moved farther and farther away from that central idea, and and yeah. there's so much stimulus telling us that the externalities are what matter, like via Instagram and social media, yeah. like all the things that are constantly becoming a feedback loop of like, this is what matters and, and constantly telling you that this is important, that interior life eventually decayed. And now we're like, wait, I do go to sleep and don't know who I am. Yeah. Um, so you medicate. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. You know, when you, when your identity is the collective belief only, you know, it's these luxury beliefs only, then it, it serves as a very cheap compensation for true individuality. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, and and it's it does come down to a lack of self knowledge, mm -hmm. yeah. As you said, a lack of introspection as to um, some sort of like I said, some sort of agreement between a collective ideal mm -hmm. and an individual ideal. Yep, that is but, really interesting because I just had that conversation with uh, my sister in law about um, she was talking about um, like public speaking, taking a public speaking mm -hmm. class, and she was like, "This is like not that. Uh, this is not." 
nervous. Uh, this, this doesn't make me nervous anymore because there's like this idea that this is not really a referendum on my identity. Um, and before she was like, you know, before it was more like kind of fake it till you make it. This doesn't make me nervous at all. But in the end, it still did. And so kind of struggling with like your own perception of yourself and trying to tell yourself who you are versus uh, a realization of the people around you and the awkwardness of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were just kind of discussing that a little bit and really trying to find that balance, like you were saying, of like, do you just rely on your own identity or do you actually need to take the cues from society? And how do you find that balance? And if it's really just my opinion versus your opinion and that tension, then you only just get left and right constantly battling of like, you know, my individualness and that gets hardened versus I only rely on what people tell me. And the conclusion is obviously you need something higher. There needs to be something that we're all aiming towards, something that our identity relies on that is outside of ourself. And it's not other people, it's God. You know, mm-hmm. like your identity as a child of God and and the but then again that gets embodied because of the ritual and and going to church and and praying yeah. and um, communing with people like all of that embodied reality puts your identity in God and then therefore you can do things that are embarrassing and you don't feel like it's a referendum on your identity because it's not your identity your right. identity is higher yeah that's yeah that's really interesting as it relates to uh, you know, prayer and religion and going to church. Because I feel like that idea of like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. That's kind of a luxury belief. Yeah. Um, right. right. You, you know, like I, I like to think of myself as a Christian mm-hmm. or I like to think of myself as a believing person. Right. But when it comes to practice, yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't need to wake up early and go to mm. mass. Right. Uh, that's kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. Uh, the belief um, or lux- uh, religion, I guess, is a luxury belief because, yeah. you know, despite, Despite, I guess, the rise in atheism, you know, and uh, the rise of the nuns, the mm-hmm. non-religious, still a vast majority of people recognize. I think last I saw, recognize at least some sort of super being or like yeah. intelligence, or you know, maybe mm-hmm. not the Judeo-Christian God or something, but you know, something's out there, some sort of metaphysical being. But even then, it's it's yeah, it does seem like that's a kind of luxury belief, though. You can kind of say, yeah, 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 of course. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that. And it's because every like decent person has to say that. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily something that's felt or lived. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, if you, you know, even to some extent in politics, when someone says they're an atheist, it kind of puts people on edge. So it's like, oh, are you, are you religious? Like, oh, of course. Or, yeah. or, right. or, or you know, or do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Right, of course. Right. You know. And, it, it, and when I think, I think that gives people a kind of comfort. See, like if I, if I just believe this, then I'm good. And if I show people that I believe this, they can trust me more, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that idea of luxury, uh, like, you know, just extra comfort, it's, uh, you know, if you're not intellectually engaging with those ideas, on the surface, it gives you a, a, a sense of security. Yeah. I right. believe, check that off my list. Right. right. You know, I say, you know, defund the police, mm-hmm. police, so, like, I'm a good person. And yeah. if you're not thinking about these things, like, thoroughly, yeah, it does give you a sense of um, surface-level comfort. Right. Yeah, yeah, if they're not bound in... Um, uh, reality and embodied, uh, then they're just surfaced. Yeah. Um, right. and it's, it really, uh, goes back to how, if you say you are, you know, you believe in God, but you don't actually practice, um, you get, you get like all of the benefits of that claim, but it's never embodied as opposed to like the messiness of the incarnation. 
right? right. Yeah, so it's like yeah. Christ became a man on the earth, and now we have to deal with um, the church mm. he established, which is run by humans, and it's and it's messy, and it's an institution, and it constantly needs revival. Yeah. Like that's so messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the embodied reality of like I believe, and that's you know that's I'm glad you brought up the incarnation principle because you know from a top down perspective, we see this embodied reality on full display, like. The, the whole idea of the incarnation is that God had to save humanity. And that saving humanity was not a simple word from above, but actually an embodied action, mm-hmm. right? And, and I love Anselm's uh, image on Christ dying on the cross, uh, or, and, and in more, in, in generally speaking, uh, his incarnation, where he's like, you can think of humanity as a polished diamond, and it fell into um, like a swamp. Mm-hmm. And God, he had to reach into the swamp, swamp and get dirty to pick it up and polish it. He said a, a simple word from afar would not have been enough to save humanity. Right. He, he, the diamond could not have fallen into the muck. And God just have said, uh, it's clean. Uh, right. All is well. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that That's a luxury belief yeah. on God's yeah. part. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. He, he actually had to do something. Right. To restore humanity, right, right, um, and that it was to get dirty, you know, mm-hmm. get into the muck yep. and pick it up. So I think a core to luxury beliefs uh, is the idea that it's it's comfortable. It doesn't actually cost you anything. It costs other people mm-hmm. to yeah. lose, but it doesn't cost you anything, it, and it's it's totally comfortable. And uh, I think of um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, he has a whole book, you know, the cost of discipleship, and mm-hmm. in that he talks about cheap grace. And it's it's sort mm-hmm. of what you just said, Father. Of well, God can just say all is clean and he'll say that to you you know you don't necessarily have to do anything and you don't have to you don't have to carry your cross you don't have to uh, you know deny yourself just god will make sure everything is clean in the end he's like no that's cheap yeah Mm -hmm. because that's not what you see in the gospel you know deny yourself you know (laughs) you know (laughs) hate your family yeah Yeah. you know come after me let you know he who you know dies will find life that's not that's not easy that's not a luxury truly you know, it's, it's unfortunate kind of, you know, it's in our modern age now that uh, Christianity has become a, lo- a luxury belief, I think, yeah. for many mm-hmm. people. But at its core and at its beginning, not yeah. really. Yeah. You know, it costs yeah. a lot. The, the whole Christianity rests on the incarnation principle. Yeah. That God became man, mm-hmm. right? That the, like, this, this power, the, the, you know, the, the prime mover right. became embodied, like, yep. was enfleshed. Right. Like if, if and that's that's what all of Christianity rests on. Um, so this idea of cheap grace just is not compatible at all on any level with Christianity. It has to be enfleshed. Um, right. So and, yeah, and then and then back to that idea of like, do you rely on your own identity versus external, um, and having to deal with the embodied reality? I was thinking about how you know Christ embracing the cross is not. It wasn't this like. Fake it till you make it, man. Like I actually think the cross is light. It's like no, it's heavy, and it and you're gonna yeah. fall, and you need somebody to help you carry this. Like it's, it was a reality that he embraced, and not necessarily um, just like he. There wasn't like this blind uh, disbelief about the messiness of the situation. Yeah. It's like you have to grapple with the fact that it is messy. You're not trying to convince yourself that it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying like that's that's the, the the reconciliation that has to be had. Yeah. And I love how, you know, before Christ went to the cross, um, it wasn't just this idea that, like, oh, I'm going to grow up 
embrace my cross, die and save humanity. But his journey towards the cross uh, involved many instances of loving your neighbor in, in particular. Or like he actually healed the sick, mm-hmm. right? He, you know, mixed spit with mud to heal the blind person, right? So, you know, even his life up until the cross was an embodied reality. Um, yeah. You know, multiplying bread uh, and fish, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, creating wa- uh, wine out of water. Like all these things are just embodied. He wasn't just preaching, um, right. you know, these platitudes from a mountaintop, although he did occasionally do that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. But it was also lived. Right. Uh, and so he, you know, he, he lived and he ate and drank with the sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, in his life, it's that incarnation principle is on display in every aspect of his life. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's a hard idea for me to grasp, but that, you know, when Christ died on the cross, it's, it's kind of this idea of he died for you generally. He, he died. Right. He died for all of us. Yeah. He, he, you know, he died for humanity in general. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, actually, no. He died for you, right. in, individually. Like he knew you, mm-hmm. and that's that's hard to understand because you know, you know, I, I, you know, we didn't experience it. We weren't there. You know, it's hard to say. Well, how did he know me? But that's yeah. the, again, that's core to the Christian revelation and core yeah. to redemption is mm-hmm. he didn't die for humanity in general. Yeah. But individually, right? Yeah. yeah, each and every individual, right? That's the power. Yeah, and that speaks to the. I mean, the nature of the Trinity being like three persons and not like three ideas, or right. you know, like that. Like you love somebody else. Yeah. Not like I love like the idea of n- thought, thinking thought. It's like no, no. It's the person of God yeah. the Father. And that's the, that's the danger of um, yeah. And 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 I'm the first to admit that you know there is a danger even in the way I can approach. My faith, um, as I love the intellectual life, you know, I love reading about um, Christianity and philosophy, mm-hmm. theology, literature, uh, but th- there's always a danger to stay at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a great line from on that movie, uh, Hidden Life, by Terrence Malick, uh, where one character says, um, "There are there are many admirers of Christ, but not many followers." Mm. Uh, and I'm like, that's that's really powerful. Yeah. And, and I, ca- I I encountered that uh, so much in um, you know seminary where we just you know, me and my brother seminarians, like, we love studying and talking about this stuff. But then when it comes, you know, time to, like, hey, like, let's go out to a, a soup kitchen or, like, yeah. you know, let's, we're like, eh, it's it's Saturday and uh-huh. it's my day off, you yeah. know. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's very dangerous to just admire Christ and not yeah. necessarily follow him. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not what the gospel, the gospel doesn't say, like, come admire me. It's right. like, follow me, right? Yeah. Leave behind everything. Just the other day, was it Wednesday? Uh, yesterday, yeah, we celebrated the Feast of St. Matthew, mm-hmm. and that was uh, the gospel passage, uh, the calling of St. Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus finds Matthew at a customs post, his comfort zone, you know, he's surrounded by money, and it's it's very simple in the gospel. Jesus points to him and says, follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, he left behind his life, embodied it. He didn't go back, he's like, wow, yeah, that, that was really, like, the, that guy I encountered, he was really cool. Yeah, you know, like right. and, and like, good for him yeah. for you know taking care of the poor. You all should follow him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I also love that in like in Saint Matthew in following Christ, embodying that ideal and not just admiring Christ, actually led Christ into his home where because immediately after that Christ dines with him, and he's mm-hmm. talking to tax collectors and sinners, mm-hmm. and so 
In embodying the ideal, in following Christ, actually, he actually brought Christ to his the people around him. And that's how you begin to change the world. Right. Is by if you begin to embody the ideals that you espouse, right. then you will begin to save the world. And this right. is this goes into Peterson's whole idea of like first clean your room. Yeah. You know, first get your life in order. Then perhaps we can talk about you interacting with society. Right. It's, not, it's not like St. Matthew was like, yeah, I'm not going to follow you, but I'll like help congregate some yeah, sort of dinner right. where you can meet tax collectors and such. Yeah. It's like, no, he had to do that first. Yeah. And so it really is that kind of, you like bleed into that social justice stuff where it's like, you have to tend to yourself first. Like Christ says, embrace your cross yeah. and follow me. That's how you enter the kingdom. Yeah. So it, it really is the, the you and what's presented to you and not what you decide to take on. Um, right. And then it moves out. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had a question about the um, luxury beliefs. I wonder if the people that hold on to these luxury beliefs, uh, you know, defund the police, um, open borders, you know, science is science, you know, the, the typical. <laughs> That's a luxury um, belief. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lumping it all together yeah, with like yeah. those signs that yeah, people, yeah, you know, yeah. people I think put on their you, lawns. I think mm. even. Um, he might make a uh, Rob Henderson might even have like a, a little note on that. Like those okay. are the people that's kind of like their mm-hmm. signs. Yeah. And, you know, like right. people yeah. know the virtual signal. Yeah. signal. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if those beliefs are a desire for heaven in a sense, or like, you know, this like, yeah. Cause like, yeah. Defund the police sounds like a good idea. And like, we are all desiring a place where we don't have to have law enforcement where everyone is actually perfected. Right. Um, yeah. And so, in a sense, like they're saying, I, I want, I want heaven on earth, you know, um, but of course we're, we don't live in heaven mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, and yeah. so it goes back to the idea that like we actually have to work towards the ideal, and mm-hmm. there's compromises that have to be made mm-hmm. to get to that ideal. But I feel like there's a sense of what they're really crying out, and this is a very generous interpretation. I realize that, but uh, on some level, I think it's it holds true. They're like I this world is not enough like this is, and it's yeah. broken. This world is broken and I just want to escape it in a right. sense. I mean, it's um, super complicated uh, when you try to like pierce the mind and see what's really going on in terms of their motives, um, like sure. how they were raised and, and what their influences are and such. But um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, you could see the utopian vision as like uh, trying to bring heaven on earth on your terms. Yeah. Um, or like a, kind of a Marxist resentment thing. So it, it kind of sure, goes yeah. both ways, but like the generous um, interpretation would be that like there is a yearning, a yearning for the good um, and it is a, a real recognition that things are broken. Yeah. But nonetheless, you're still trying to create reality on your terms. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a, the archetypal motif of like returned Eden, like establishing Eden. Yeah, for sure. Back on earth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Which speaks would, to like um, a desire for the transcendent. Uh, almost like a, a proof yeah. for the transcendent. It's like, right. why does humanity, like, why why is this world like not like uh, enough for you, like yeah. the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, and we all realize that we're broken on some level, um, yeah. And that humanity is not, or society is not really what it ought to be, right? And um, there's no such thing as a perfect utopia. Um, and that, I mean, that really is like back to the cross of being like, this is the primordial pattern, like this is the way, yeah. Like this is what Christ came to reveal was that the way back to Eden is through the cross. Yeah. Period. 
You know, like you have to recognize that the world is broken. You take that on yourself. You empty yourself out. Yeah. And then, and then redemption happens. Right. Um, I don't know if you've got, I, I pulled it up just to make sure it was right. Um, have you seen the United Nations picture? The like painting they have on the back wall? No. It's an interesting, it's very. Can you put that in the notes so I can see it? Yeah. Let me, let me see if I can. It's like a blurry image, um, <laughs> but it's, um, it's interesting because it's very religious. Yeah, I thought but those it, were images of a church at first. But it, <laughs> if you know, but there's no God. Mm. But there's all these like quasi, like redempt, redemptive figures. Figures, mm. and there's like a Garden of Eden imagery. Um, there's they even have the pelican. Oh wow! And the pelican is yeah. you know a classic a Eucharistic. Yeah. yeah. But there's no, there's no God. Hmm. It's just all man lifting up other men, hmm. right, and establishing like world peace. That's really interesting. And yeah, it, it's it, it does. It, it has like all the all the right, like I said, religious motifs there. I'm trying to like zoom in to see, you know, yeah, in the middle there. Oh wow! In the middle, it's very, <laughs> it's kind of odd because you is have, it this uh, United Nations Security Council mural. Uh, maybe I just put UN painting oh. wall, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the, all the correct, you know, uh, yeah. uh, SEO, you know, yep. words. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what, so that's what I'm talking about. You, you have in the center image, a man and a woman looks like kind of like husband and wife, and then they're flanked by children and there's a child underneath mm. of them, but then there's a tree over top of them. And in the tree is a child handing an apple to a woman to a little girl rather yeah and i'm like what what does that mean what is that that's so is crazy. that a uh allusion to like this uh eve receiving it, it, getting see, the apple well that's that's it it's like is this supposed to be adam and eve and isn't that a bad thing and it's like well are they trying to flip that yeah and they're wild. trying to reverse it and say oh no no but with with redeemed humanity Kind of in, in like a secular humanist fashion, hmm. this is a good thing. But it, it's it to me all this smacks of yeah, we wow. can create heaven on earth. Well, if we just get yeah, ev- if we just get everybody to um, stop killing each, basically, if we get everyone to stop right. being human. We can we can we can do <laughs> yeah. it. Like yeah, no, right. stop stop giving into your human nature. Well, and yeah. I, and, <laughs> and I think it's very interesting, very telling that uh, at the center is a man and a wife. They're almost there. Like, you know, you could say the family is like the the, the foundational stone sure. for mm-hmm. humanity. But mm-hmm. if you look at any other classical mural in churches, what's at the center is Christ. You know, you look at yeah. the Last Judgment. You look at the, you know, Disputation of the Eucharist. Yeah, I was going to say um, that one is like... Like, you know, all these opposite. murals uh, or these frescoes, uh, not necessarily in the churches, but like all these paintings, um, classically speaking, when it's re- trying to represent humanity or the world... The Christian idea is that God is into in the center. Well, right, yeah. um, it, but in the kind of, yeah, it, right, yeah. Here it's like so you have the family as the center, which is important, but it's still man. But underneath that, you have the pelican. Then it looks like you have like a, like the pelican is, um, redeemed. Like it has like a body, like a pelican oh, body. Yeah. And then underneath that is like uh, a tomb with a skeleton in it. Wow. And then geez. off to the side, you have a man lifting up another man out of kind of like Hades out of like this underworld. So is but it's that like, supposed to be the God imagery there, I guess? Uh, well, I, I, yeah. You know what? Perhaps being 
charitable. Yes. <laughs> this is a super Catholic image. This is, yeah. you know, <laughs> that that's the, because it does have like this resurrection a, over yeah. death motif. But, you know, and I guess you could mm. say, you know, um, there is in the Psalms, God is in the heavens, but earth he is left to men. Yeah. So there's this sort of, you know, I'm here, but you also need to do your part. Yeah. So I guess that's a charitable way you could say. Yeah. You say, you know what? I do you wonder though that even, each other out. Yeah. even the even the two dimensional aspect of it, like which thing is above which, you know, the pelican is below. Well, that's the, the yeah, I, that, and, that popped into yeah. my mind too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a weird, it's a weird painting. I'll have to think about that one a little bit yeah. more. I'm um, sorry, it just like came, it just like came to yeah. my mind, yeah. and now I kind of regret it because in some sense, because it's like <laughs> I wish we had more time. There's to actually, a lot to unpack. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- we can come back to it. Yeah, yeah. But no, that is super interesting though. It does tie into the the like the humanism idea that we can just kind of build read. a better society by ourselves. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, underneath all of this, you know, humanism and you know, lifting each other up is still. Like if you dig deep and you keep digging, is says who? Right. Oh well, yeah. Right. You, you, right. Know, you know what I mean? It's like well, we know mm-hmm. we should lift up you know each other, and it's like, but by what standard? Mm-hmm. And who says we should do that? Yeah, exactly. Like is it is it obviously a good that we yeah. create a world of you know utter peace? But to what end? And why why do you think peace is inherently good? Why not war? Yeah. This is Nietzsche's right. thing. Is you know why do you value truth? Why not untruth? Mm-hmm. You know why do you why do you value peace and not war? Life right. over death, right? Like, life yeah. over death. You know it's, you know, yep. To you know to us who have been so ingrained in Christianity, it's like well, obviously peace is better. It's like, but yeah, that, but that's again you're resting yeah. on metaphysical grounds yeah, yeah, for yeah. that. Like yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I I think a like a good point to be made about this, because um, I was just thinking like as a whole we went from like Martha's Vineyard to like Christ <laughs> on the cross. Um, <laughs> And, you know, like jumped around so many different aspects, but there is like, there's a concept that really needs to be understood. And I feel like more people should understand the idea of the idea of fractal patterns and that like, this is, these are not analogies that we're giving. Like as Christ died on the cross, so too must we, uh, you know, offer ourselves up to our family. Like that's not an analogy. It's, it's literally the same pattern that we participate in reality. And so Christ becoming embodied revealed these patterns of reality. And so we can see how they play out fractally from within the individual all the way up to, you know, United Nations, um, that they all are part of the same thing. And so when we're talking about like luxury beliefs and how we should treat the border and what we should do about that, it's the same concept of how I interact with my family, of having to deal with the embodied reality of individuals that might bother me and I have to reconcile with that. And that, that is the same pattern. And so it's the idea of a fractal pattern that plays out from the individual all the way up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. They're connected. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and that's what, that's Peterson's whole thing of like clean your room is not like, Oh, start with the small things. It's like, it's the gospel passage where Christ is like the person who is trustworthy in small things will be trustworthy in great ones. Mm-hmm. And it's not like an analogy. It's like, it all builds or it's not an arbitrary, uh, like, just do this and have faith that you can move on to the next one. Yeah. It's like, actually, these things are created, uh, connected in reality. Right. And so, right. if you can do this, naturally, uh, yeah. it will follow that yeah. you can do this. Because you when you clean your room, yeah. you are participating in the in the reality, in the pattern that says, I'm dealing with the messiness of my life. Yeah. 
quite literally. It's the most embodied, like smallest form. Yeah. And then you do that, and then your your even like even even your brain chemistry, but like your whole person starts to understand how that wavelength moves yeah. and how to embody that in reality. And then you do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then, and then you have a family that's coherent and then you have a community that's coherent and then you run for a governor and like, I understand these things in a, yeah. in a primordial way because I've participated in the pattern all the way down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Participate in the pattern. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the takeaway. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, uh, it's true. And I actually, think um in the office of readings right um a commentary on the call of saint matthew there was uh that that uh the venerable bead oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the venerable saint bead said uh that when christ called matthew he was calling him to model his life uh matthew's life after the pattern of christ's life mm. you know yeah, that, that's yeah. what it means to follow christ is to yeah to follow the pattern of christ's life yeah and so yeah. like i said it's not just like an analogy to then then pick up your cross. It's no, that's the pattern of what you have to, yeah, yeah, participate in. Yeah, is, the, is what Christ did. You too must do. Yeah, yeah. As a musician, that just resonates with me. No pun, but like like <laughs> so much. Just like the idea of pattern recognition of like mu- uh, like music being played in harmony, and you know, there's the, the, there's no analogy between a guitar and a drum. Like I'm not trying to find an arbitrary connection. It's that there's a rhythm, a rhythm that I have to participate in in order for there to be a coherent song. Song, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's just, it just seems so obvious to me as an artist that like this is how reality works. But it, it's tough to like how to like translate that to to everyday life. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, obviously, Christ does it best. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, a good place to stop though, because we're like a uh, 50 minutes in. Um, basicallyrelated.com forward slash AMA to ask a question, um, basically related.com forward slash support, uh, for $5 a month, you get the, um, Q and a episode. Um, and I am Matt Hylam on all social media. Lee is coach Lee. Thanks guys.